Greet each one in Jesus' name this morning and welcome you also here. It's good to see everybody here. Uh, and you can turn in your Bibles to Proverbs. We're going to skip a stone across Proverbs. Proverbs grapples with a bunch of different topics and we're going to just uh, skip through uh, Proverbs. We're going to start at, uh, at Proverbs 6. Uh, July 4th, we celebrated the country again, and I think it was 239 years I read somewhere. I w- I'm not sure on that. Made me a little nervous again when they gathered together and said, hey, our military is the strongest military in the world, and we have the best country in the world, and... The song leader led a song and I was looking for it, but it was one phrase in that song about leaders coming and, and leaders going are, are, are as he controls all that. Um, we serve a mighty God and we are all pilgrims trying to find our way home. And when we get proud of things, we set ourselves up to falling. And uh, I also read in the news about the earthquakes out west, and I thought an interesting thing made me think about God again, where the bees started buzzing around on the floor in circles and died by the thousands because of that earthquake. And the animals can sense it coming and get more agitated as it gets closer. And I wondered about all that there. What a what a mighty God we serve, and what a what a, there's so many things that you and I don't know about Him. He gives us some some things to go on here in the Bible, but there's so many things we don't know. Roxanne, it's good to see you back. Glad for a safe trip. Is there a, something you'd like to share? I I'm sorry about this. I just <laughs> noticed you sitting there. I would hate that if somebody would do that to me there. <laughs> Uh, if not, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, it was, and many needs, aren't there? Just, you come home a different person there, it just seems like. It's good to see the returned missionaries, all of them, and we have uh, Patrick just going and continue to support, let's be a congregation that supports them in prayer when they're gone. There's so many things we just hear, well, they're going and we're glad for it, but there's so many things they go through that we don't know uh, about there. So God bless you for going and may he bless your ministry over there. Proverbs was a wise man, uh, wrote some of these thoughts down from the Lord under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it pleased God when he asked uh, him, what can I do for you? He felt like a dad who wanted to do something for his son, and he appreciated him, and he said, give me wisdom, and that pleased the Lord, and he did. And some of the things we read here are through him as a channel, but uh, by the words of the Holy Spirit. We're going to just skip a stone again, different subjects, scattered thoughts, Proverbs six sixteen to 19. These six things does the Lord hate. 
Yea, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, a hand that sheds innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among the brethren. And in a day when we're losing uh, wisdom, uh, we're gaining knowledge because of computers and that kind of thing, but we're losing a lot of wisdom, it's good to look at these things and try to feel the heartbeat of God and see what it is. And uh, the first one is a proud look. And it says in the New Testament, a a proud look uh, is what comes before a fall. I think that's in the New Testament that we read that. And our culture sets us up for misinterpreting uh, who we are in this world. And, and, and it's, uh, we, the, the movies and the songs and the papers and uh, social media and everything is set up that we can fail in this area pretty easy if we're not uh, if we're not tuned in with God. And it's something that he hates. And it's so easy for any of us, I think, to become proud in uh, who we are or what we accomplish or, or what we've done in some small way to feel pretty good about it. And, and uh, uh, God hates it. God doesn't like when we lift ourselves up. And our training is, you can do it. You're the best. And I realize that there's some people that struggle with self-worth, who they are in Christ, but I think many more of us struggle with this thing of pride in our lives. And lying is something that God hates. Untruth, whether in words or in pretense, whether we are... Saying a lie or not saying something that would clear it up so that, uh, that the, a lie is believed. Killing innocent, killing the innocent. And, um, I know some of these aren't some that we'll connect with quite as much, but in the day and age that we live in with abortion, uh, on the table and off of the table again, uh, as a Christian, we need to understand that God hates killing of innocent. Wicked imaginations. To ponder evil stuff all the time or to, to think about evil and to think about bad stuff. And uh, swift in running to mischief. You know... Uh, the schools are any organization our mission our bible schools they say a new group comes in and uh like down there in in florida when marlins go down there to help uh every week sometimes they get a new group and it doesn't take very long to find out who's dedicated you work with a person a day or two and you can pick out the troublemakers. And you go to Bible school, the Bible school teachers say, it doesn't take long, and the troublemakers kind of gravitate together. And we as Christians are called for something beyond that. And uh, 
And yet we find ourselves uh, needing to to take heed here. And uh, six, a false witness he hates. Uh, he hates when we throw somebody under the bus. And sometimes we can do it so subtle and so truthful. Uh, I saw that again just lately in that there Cam incident where uh, they had a struggle and they had a real mess of things. And people jump on board to undermine because they had a struggle on a totally unrelated thing or a disagreement and they start undermining and tearing it down. I'd think of when they bore false witness against Christ and they were sitting there and there was a lot of pressure in the room and legal ramifications and everything. And so what they said was, he said he'd destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. And that's exactly what he said. But he meant something different and it was totally true and yet totally wrong what they were saying. Technically right. But what they were inferring was totally wrong. Right information but the wrong implication. And it's so easy for us to undermine somebody uh, that we shouldn't be, uh, and, and we shouldn't be undermining anybody, but, uh, you know, even our enemies. But it's so right, it's so, so easy for us to say something that's true, but leave out some of the facts that throw a different light on it altogether. And the one that we can maybe, uh, relate to in this list a little bit more is one who sows discord among the brethren. One who causes division in the body. You know, uh, God hates this kind of thing, and yet it's so easy for us to be a part of this. And so we need this warning. You know, this wise man who wrote this, uh, one of his first tests when he came, he said, Lord, I just want to know how to answer and judge right and how to judge my, my people rightly. And God honored that. One of his first tests was two women who each had a baby, and they were staying at the same place. Uh, and somehow this one baby, somebody rolled on it over the night or whatever, but in the morning there was one who had died, one little baby who had died, and you all know the story. And the other one, both of them claimed the live baby. Both of them said, the one that's living is mine. And Solomon, with God's wisdom and God's Holy Spirit, uh, said to him, well, let's, let's look at this. Bring me a sword. And he said, let me divide the body. And I'll give half to you and I'll give half to you. And the one mom said, yeah, let's do that. And the other mom said, no. Give her the baby. And Solomon said, she's the mom. And in churches, that, that their, that their need to divide, you're not the mom. You're not the real mom. If you, if you say, either I get my way 
are there's going to be pieces. There's going to be splendors here. I'd rather blow this thing up than have it go the other way. You're not the mom. Uh, if you if you would rather have the body divided in two, and you know, friends, there's there's a lot of legitimate reasons for you to leave a church and for you to leave this church. Maybe you can plug in better at another one. Maybe you, uh, for family or job or there's there's many reasons. But I think that we get the heartbeat of God when we see how important it is to Him. To not cause divisions in the body. To not just play on disagreements. To not insist that we win or the body gets divided. And as Mennonites and Amish and conservative Christians, we're at 67 flavors unless there was 68 caused overnight. And I don't know that God's happy with all those flavors. And He'll work through that mess. And He'll work through all the different things that happen. But in, in, in our hearts, what we're responsible for is if we're the lady that says, yeah, chop them in half, I'd rather have that than lose here. God says, I hate that when there's people that are happy with division because they're not getting their way. Uh, if you'd switch over to Proverbs 7, and uh, this here one here is a lengthy one, and I'll, I'll skip down over it, but it's a favorite of mine because it's a pattern of a struggle. Um this here one is a sexual problem here, but we can all put our struggle in there that we're currently facing. The one that, the one that they're, uh, overcoming sin or that struggle that we're facing. Everyone put your own vice. Your immorality or food or alcohol or temptations or the sin that you're struggling with that you know is not God's will for your life. And uh, it draws such a beautiful picture, like a song that draws, that you connect with and start crying when you're in the pickup by yourself. And you hear a song that draws a picture, or it draws a picture of, a, of an artist, but it, it draws it so vivid in my mind. And I, I love this here, uh, Proverbs 7, for the warnings that it has, for the, for the carefulness, for... Proverbs 7, verse 6. For at the window of the house, I look through the casement, and it's picturing somebody there in their house, and they're kind of in an upstairs thing, is is what goes through my mind, and they're looking out through the, the window of the house. And I beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youth, a young man void of understanding. Passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house in twilight, in the evening, in the black and the dark of night. Doesn't that just grip you? What was he doing down there? He knew he had a problem. 
He knew that he was weak in this area. What was he doing on that street at that time of the night in the dark where people couldn't see him? He had no business down there. And now you fill in your own vices. What's going to help? And, and you say, well, it was a public street. No, what was he doing down there? He knew better, and that's what set things in order. Passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black of night. And behold, there met a woman with the terror of a harlot, subtile or cunning of heart. Very cunning and it draws this as a as a person that's tempting him she is loud and stubborn her feet abide not in her house now is she without now in the street and lieth in wait at every corner so she caught him and kissed him hey babe how you doing and with a impudent or shameless face said unto him I have peace offering with me this day. I have paid my vows. Therefore, I came forth to meet you. I was looking for you. Hey, how's it going? I haven't seen you for a while. I was looking for you. This is the sin in our lives. I was... How are you doing? I, Man, I was looking for you. Therefore I came forth to meet thee diligently, to seek thy face, and I have found you. I'm so glad about that. I've decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved wood and fine linen of Egypt. I perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's take our fill of love until in the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. And then she goes on to say, nobody's going to find out about this. The good man is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him, so he's not coming back for a while. He will come home at the day appointed. We're safe. No one's going to see us. And with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. But he was down there, And he was down there at night, and he was hanging around down there. With flattering lips, she forced him. You know, to me it's such a picture of, we as as men and women are so fragile and so frail, and God can see us through these things, but it, it just draws a picture of how Let's take it to something like food that we're more willing to admit a struggle in. Um, And so I'm on a diet, or you're on a diet, and you say, uh, I'm serious this time. I I feel it's wrong how much I'm spending on food, or how much fine food I'm eating, or whatever. You fill in the blanks of your vices that God is working in your life for. And so... You say, here's what I'm going to do. And you make good plans. But then you go down on her street. You go down to the pantry. Or you go down to the refrigerator. And 
you go down, whatever, where that you go up to pizza or whatever your vice is, and and it's so it's such a picture of how Satan try. He's so subtle, and when when she comes up to me and says, "Claire, how are you? I've been looking for you all. I'm so glad I found you. Come with me." nobody's going to see. We're safe. There's such a strong draw that Satan has on us. But God just wants us to be aware of this. He wants us to understand how subtle it is and how quick we can fall. He says, in an, take heed lest ye fall. All of us in here are just two steps away from sliding. And she's so good at presenting this thing, and she's she's not giving the full facts. If I eat 20 donuts, it's going to show. People are going to realize that there. He's eating 20 donuts again there. But she says, we're safe. Nobody's going to know you eat. You can pull behind the big fish up there at Hayward and you can eat the whole dozen of donuts before you go back to the office. You, you'll be fine. Nobody will know. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till the dark dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O you children, and attend to thy words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her path, for she has cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men, have been slain by her. Her house, her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Powerful. What a powerful picture. And Proverbs and the rest of the Bible talks a lot about the sexuality part of it. We can put it into our own vice, into our own struggles, into our own uh, temptations. Uh, but this is a warning to all of us, young and old. Proverbs 8. Skip over to Proverbs 8. What is it worth? Just two verses here. Number 10. Receive my instructions. And by the way, I'm not saying that... I'm missing a lot of good verses. As I was reading through here, some of these caught my attention. And so we're just looking at a couple. uh, And uh, there's a lot of good verses we're missing here. What is it worth? Receive my instructions and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. We need to remind us that. What makes you tick? I mean, what's the next thing you want? What are you saving up for? You know, a car, a house, uh, bling or your business or uh, vacation or what is it that you treasure or value or want to get your hands on next it's not worth near as much 
as the wisdom of God that you have for free in front of you. It's one of those deals where a, a good auctioneer, he'll be auctioning stuff and then he'll suddenly realize, you know, this thing is some somebody's not looking and he'll stop and it'll get quiet and he'll say, people, somebody's not looking here. Somebody is not realizing the value of this thing. And people kind of think about it and then they'll start bidding again there. Value not comparable to anything. And the cost to you is free. Proverbs 9, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And uh, fear of the Lord is an honor and respect for God that makes us dread, or above all things, it makes us afraid to offend Him. That we... That we honor Him and respect Him to the point that we're afraid to to uh, come up with uh, something that's going to make Him sad. Knowledge, paragraph I'm reading here, knowledge is really about facts and ideas that we acquire through study, research, investigation, experience, observation. Wisdom is the ability to discern and judge which aspects of that knowledge are true, right, and lasting, and applicable to our own lives. Proverbs 10. Proverbs talks a lot about all of these things we were talking about. Deals with them verse after verse in different chapters. One that it comes up with pretty often is laziness. Proverbs 10.4 He becometh poor that delayeth, that dealeth with a slack hand. Um, another translation says lazy people are soon poor. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. He that gathereth in the summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. And... Um, it's a lesson to all of us. And, you know, if you were to say, okay, a lot of you in here won't say, okay, that's, I, I have that problem. But some of you might understand or realize that I do, I, I do have the, a struggle of applying myself. One of the things I'd say, first of all, if you're an adult and if you're lazy, uh, check in under the hood. Pop the engine and make sure you don't have a medical problem. Sometimes there's people lose all kinds of ambition and struggle and they don't realize that they have a thyroid problem or a heart problem or a struggle that you can't be treated with a spiritual, with, can't be treated with more reading, uh, scripture and that kind of thing. So, uh, check that. And the next thing I would say to you is evaluate your job. It is my belief that God made a farmer and that He made a builder and that He made a logger. And that if you have a logger that's farming, He's not a very happy camper. God designed people with a, with a bent in one way or the other. He, he made writers. He made singers. Some of us can't sing. Some of us can. 
And I, and I think it's that way with a job. The next thing I'd say, if you think, you know, maybe I do have a lazy problem, check that out. Sit down and say, you know, Esau and Jacob, one was built for this and one was built for that. And, and they, they filled that spot. So if you're doing what God has cut you out to do, now I'm not saying that every little thing about your job you're going to like. You're going to hate some of the things about the job that God cut you out for. Uh, that's just how how it is. But uh, if you're in the right place, if you're in the right seat, then go on to correcting your perception of work. Read the Bible and look what it says, the pros and cons, the benefits of a healthy work habit, of a long day of work, and uh, what it, the benefits... It uh, gives of that there, and the encouragement that it gives you, especially in Proverbs. Change your view if necessary. Embrace work. Learn to enjoy work. Don't just enjoy the weekends, or just enjoy the evenings, or just enjoy the supper time around with the family. But learn to enjoy your work. Uh, God says, whatever you find to do, give it everything. Do it with every... Just... Give it everything you've got. Just do it. Realize the benefits of work. Realize the satisfaction of building a house or loading trees on a a, a nice straight row of trees or whatever it is that you do. If you're a baker, then learn how to bake. Put twice the icing on that you think that should be on there. Learn how to do it right. (laughs) But whatever you do, do it with the best of your abilities. Observations on this, and I'm about ready to close. If If children are not taught to work by the time they're eight, it's it's really hard for an employer to train a child how to work, or uh, an adult how to work that has never learned how to work. If mom and dad hates work, uh, chances are children will hate work. If you can't contribute to the family, to society, and to other people's lives, you're going to be the most miserable person. You look at people who have first, second, and third generation welfare And their lives are dashed apart. And what they want is more given to them. You're the most unhappy person if you you don't learn this teaching. New Testament says, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And if you go down to verse 10, uh, or chapter 10, 26, it says, As vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes... So is a sluggard to them that send him, to an employer. You know, you're sitting on the wrong side of the campfire and you can't talk and you can't visit because smoke's in your eyes. Or, for some reason, Ruthie bought me that vinegar at, at, uh, Miller's. And it says Yoder's on it. And, you know, while I was studying this, I thought, well, maybe I'll try that again. I had a, about a half a bottle. 
<laughs> left because you know but it's it's main thing is vinegar and it says it's invigorating and it's uh, other stuff I forget what all it is but oh it's uh and it says here's here's uh what some translations say a lazy employee is like the vinegar you buy at Miller's <laughs> that's <laughs> I'm not sure if that's an accurate translation from the Greek, but <laughs> Proverbs says a lot about learning to work. And for you young children that are here, as you, as your parents teach you how to work, embrace that and be grateful for it. And as young families, I don't know how anymore. It used to be out of necessity a little bit more that all the children had to work and had to pull their weight. And it's a challenge sometimes with the, with the change in our, in our structure and our jobs and that kind of thing. But parents, children need to, sometimes you're carrying a heavy load mom. And sometimes that could be better if you consider children need to learn how to work. There And when we do things God's way, there's so many blessings in that. And I'm going to skip a few for now, just in closing a verse. I thought, um, God's wisdom is available to every believer. And we shouldn't trust our own wisdom and our own understanding. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easily to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. If you can, easy, it's pretty full here. Let's just bow our heads with for prayer this morning. Lord, we need your wisdom to guide us through challenging times. Give each one here wisdom from above. Cause us to discern truth from error. Help each young person. Help each family in the middle of raising a family. Help each older person to value wisdom from above. Help us not to trust in our own wisdom We just pray that you would build a hedge around us and that you would protect us and be a lamp to our feet. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.